Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. This morning, we're going to continue on. I'm going to move quickly because it's a little bit late, but we're going to continually focus uh, today on answering the question, what is true fellowship? So what was the one word we discussed last week? Devotion. Somebody saved everybody from hearing it again. Because I threatened you guys, said, man, are you getting it? Are you getting it? So last week we talked about devotion, what devotion is, that if we're devoted to something, to something, we should see acts of devotion first and foremost towards God, and then secondly to one another. We talked about the disciples, how they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were connected. They were apart. They were devoted to fellowship. So today we're going to take it a step further, and we're going to look at uh, the, um, the word being united Okay, so next week, the word you're looking for is united. Okay, so when we look at the word united or unity, you know, uh, that definition is the state of being united or joined as a whole. You know, so me personally, I really enjoy watching team sports because you have to have the whole team to accomplish a goal, right? If you guys, we know football season is getting cranked up for all you football fans, right? You can have the greatest quarterback ever. But if your offensive line is horrible, been there, done that sometimes, right, with our teams, right? The quarterback cannot do what he is paid to do, right? But you can have an awesome offensive line. Well, if your quarterback isn't worth a flip, and some everybody says, been there, done that, <laughs> right? You know, we get frustrated. We are, the, we are the head coaches of all these teams we watch. We know what should be being done. We're yelling from our couches with all our beverages and all our fun. Why are you not blocking? I could have made that pass. You don't see the 300-pound guy right here with his peripheral vision that's about to kill you. There's a little bit more pressure than sitting there with the power of your remote, right? Turning your surround system up. But we see this, this, these team sports where it requires a whole team being united to accomplish one goal. And we have to realize that in our life, we are all united against one common enemy. And that's the enemy of this world. But we are all united with one another. In order for us to accomplish our purpose here on the earth through the principle of fellowship, we have to be united with one another. Okay? You know, so it's that concept of saying, if you mess with him, guess what, buddy? You're going to mess with me too. We fight as one. We stand as one. We don't go unless everybody goes. So that's why we're so, in, you know, we always encourage movement. Hey, come on, get involved. We know we, we want to go to awesome places, but we don't want to leave half the church behind. We want to grow the church in the way where everybody can be united. Everybody can be a part. You know, uh, going back to football or sports, like there's some positions you're like, well, that's a dumb position, right? You know, like the stuff you don't think about, you know, like the, the extra point, the, hold, the one that holds the ball. How much credit does that guy get? Nobody cares. You, you, you care about the kicker. You care about the quarterback, your running back, and your, 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 def- your defensive team. But nobody says, I want to be an extra point ball holder. <laughs> but if that guy has that football all whacked to the side or the laces the, the lace facing the kicker, it's a very bad day for that kicker. And if they mess up, all of a sudden, the high-definition cameras roll. Look what this guy did wrong. You never, you never realize what somebody does wrong until they mess up because they've executed it perfectly up to that point. 
But what I'm saying is when we're united, there, there is no insignificant role that we play within the church congregation. Just because you're not preaching doesn't mean that you're not valuable to the kingdom of God. Just because you're not in platform ministry doesn't, need, doesn't mean that we don't need you to be united with what God is building within this church. Everybody has significance. So let's look at this passage in John 17, 20 through 23. This is where Jesus prays for all believers. Before that, he prays for himself. He prays for the disciples. But then where that passage takes off, it starts talking about, and he begins to pray for the, the, the believers, for all believers. So John 17, 20 through 23, this is where he starts. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. So he was talking about the disciples. He says, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the, the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. And this is the passage that I really, really want to focus on. It says, and may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. So do we, you know, do we, can we come to the place of, of complete unity as a church? You know, another translation says perfect unity. You know, being united completely. Being united perfectly. You know, if the Bible talks about it, it is an achievable goal. It is something that can happen, okay? You know, so we have to know that, uh, you know, what unites all of us is the spirit of God within us. The spirit of God in me lives inside of you and therefore it does, shouldn't take that long for us to at least be connected by what? By spirit. Now that doesn't mean that we might get along or you know, just, you know how you have some people that kind of really mesh with your personality and then some that just rub you all kinds of the wrong way? It's never happened? <laughs> Need to get out more if it's never happened. There, there's some of them out there, right? But God builds people different ways, and sometimes it works us out to make sure that we are striving to love people that are unlovable. You know, because it's easy to love those that are easy, lo easy to love. But what about those ones that kind of rub us the wrong way, or they just have bad habits, or they never listen to what you tell them to do? Come on, man. You know, like, that's sometimes why you get mad at them. Well, I tried to encourage them to do this and this, and they wouldn't listen to me. Well, that sounds like unity, Right? You, 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 being united, being together, right? You know, we have to, uh, you know, we have to come together as the body of Christ, you know, so we, we, the opportunity that we have as a church is we corporately come together and we practice unity being united amongst us as a corporate body, as a corporate fellowship. So this, this morning is, is a representation of what being united looks like. Now, the body of, of Christ, it's not the building. It's the people. And throughout all the face of the earth, you know, we prayed, you know, this, this morning, you know, in, in Sunday morning prayer about, man, Lord, we pray that you would bless all of the people who are gathering, all of the family of God that is gathering this morning. Well, you even talking about that Catholic church? Yeah, I'm talking about the Catholic church too. Well, what about that other church over there? It's kind of weird. I'm talking about them also. They're all, a, they're all part of the family of God, Right? You know, that's what we need to see it. You know, we can't say, you know, oh, it's just us. It's just me, right? We have to be united. Corporately, we have to be united. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Verse 10, if one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. So we think about that, right? Often, you know, my wife, she's not in here, talk about her. You know, in our, in our early dating days, she would trip, just clumsy and kind of, you know, and I remember this one time, she's walking and she's right by me. This was in Africa. We're going across the road and you're already kind of freaked out by the traffic anyway. Well, she goes and she trips and almost falls and I grabbed her arm. And at that moment, she looked at me and knew she was going to marry me. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. But I was working towards it, okay? Saved her life practically in, in, in that moment. But think about it. That situation, if I wasn't there next to her, you guys get the point of this, not the joke of this, okay? Man, if I wasn't there, would have fell flat on her face possibly, right? But I was there to catch her when she fell. So what this scripture is talking about, you know, pity the one who travels alone, who falls, who can't, who can't get up. You know, you, know, uh, you know, there's more scripture that it talks about, you know, you know, if two gather together, they can keep each other warm, like all of these dynamics, right? You know, one more quick story about Africa. I remember, and this was early, early in our missionary life of when we were going, we were, we were right out of high school. And uh, man, we were putting trusses up in a church. So the trusses are the part, this top part that hold everything together. Well, how we would do it, we would build the whole truss and then we would like, so you have the walls already built. So what we would do, we'd get side of, one side of the truss and we'd lift it up, bam, and set it there. Then you'd get the other side, you lift it and you have it here. So you have an upside down truss. Well, how'd you flip it over? Glad you asked. We'd throw ropes over the other side, all the way over the truss, and half the guys would pull one way, the other guys would pull the other way, and we would teeter-totter that thing all the way around and make it stand straight up. Sounds pretty crazy, huh? Okay, now it gets really crazy. So once we had that truss up, we all would kind of get into place, and we'd try to hold that trussing in place. So I remember Don, everybody knows Don Reed? If you don't, don't hold this against them. We were all young and learning in, the, in this day and age. But I remember us holding that trust together, and he's shouting. He says, do not abandon your post. Everybody hold it. And then we're like, and I'm like, man, this is pretty intense. Then the next phrase, if you abandon your post, somebody will die. So then I'm like, oh, kind of missions trip did I sign up for? So we're all holding this trust till they can tack well this side, they can tack well this side, they can run one of the purlings, that's the part that connects the two trusts together, and then once they're intact, we're safe. But no one man could accomplish that by himself. And we were put in a situation where if somebody left, it could have possibly killed the person to our left and our right, because if that thing were to fall, and swivel back around before we tacked it, or if somebody just let go of the rope, said, oh, I'm gonna go get a coffee. Come on, man. We had to be united. We had to be communicating together. We all had to have the same, in go the same exact goal amongst each other. And everybody had a position to play at that point. And we're screaming, are you almost done? Do you almost got it? You know, we're freaking out. But it required a team. It required us to be united. You know, there's times, you know, where we can be physically together, but not always united. Just because we're in proximity does not mean that there's unity. 
you know, uh, and, like God really desires. You know, so I think the ultimate thing is understanding, you know, being united. What does that look like to God? You know, uh, unity is often a choice, not a feeling. You know, I choose to be united. I don't always feel like being united. And all the married couples said, amen, right? If he's like, I never feel like that, lies. It happens, right? You don't always feel it. So, you know, feelings will come and feelings will go, but a choice to stay united by devotion and that magic word, right? So we understand what devotion means, the depths of that. United in devotion of heart will often take work and commitment to truly be united. So I can take two cats. All you cat lovers, I'm sorry before I tell you this. I could take two cats and I could tie their tails together and throw them over a clothesline. And they would be together, but that doesn't mean they're united. It's a joke. You can't, I don't even think you can tie their tails together. <laughs> All the cat lovers get up and leave now. They're like, this guy. I don't know if I could tie two dogs' tails together. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't be as hilarious to me, but I'm a good dog guy, so I'm sorry. But think about that. You know, you can be together. Ray didn't like it. I'm just playing. <laughs> you know, they can be, you can be together, I mean, right there. And, I, and I mean, I'm just visualizing if this could actually happen. You know how feisty and crazy those two cats would be hitting each other, trying to fight it, and it just, like going nuts. They're together, but are they really united? Heck no. There's no unity in that at all, right? But they're, they're, they're together. So it's important to be together, but also to be united. Let's look at Romans 16, 17. It says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. And then it, then it cautions us. It says, keep away from them. That's Romans 16, 17. So what this is talking about is talking about, uh, you know, doctrinal falsehoods or unrighteous practices. But this is, the, this, is the, this is the words that it says. It says, I urge you, I encourage you, I shake you and say, listen, please, you know, look out for those who cause divisions or just, you know, if we wanted like an illustration that dig potholes in front of you for you to fall into. You think we want that within the, within the unity of the church if we are really united? Now, I'm praying to God that there's not any of those amongst us, but what we need to be careful with is that there are those whose point of being a part of a fellowship is to cause dissension and separation, and they, their heart is nowhere in tune with what God wants for the unity of the church. They're either playing church, or they're not saved, or they're not of the same spirit, you know, and to me, that's one of those things that really scares me as a pastor because I would, I guess I would be like, hey, you got to get out of here. I mean, that's the only way I would know to protect the integrity of the church because that's not healthy for all of us. There's no way we can be united if we allow that. We can't allow that to be a part of what we're doing. For those who cause divisions, who put obstacles in our way that are contrary to teaching. So, you know, these potholes, it's not just insignificant things, Right? Doctrinal falsehood, teaching things like saying, you shouldn't tithe, tithing's overrated, y'all don't need to tithe, that's, he's just trying to, that pastor's trying to get all your money. You ever heard, you, some of y'all say, man, I heard a guy like that. There's the door. That's against doctrinal, biblical teaching. You know, we talk about, you know, uh, you know, unrighteous practices. Well, if it's okay, if it feels good, do it. 
It's okay, I can do that. I'm saved by grace. God will forgive me tomorrow for the sins I do today. Willful sin? Are you serious? There's no place for that within the church. God is calling a holy, righteous church that stands on his word and allows his word to be the guide that guides and directs us. His spirit causes the unity amongst us, but it's our responsibility to hold that unity together. So anything that causes that unity to be separated, it's gotta go. Sometimes it's individual people that we just need to remove, but sometimes it's our own motives. There's things in my life that are causing you know, discord and disunity an ununited spirit within the church. But it's not usually the spirit of God. It's the practices of men. I'm just not at the place where I love people. I'm not at the place where I can forgive. Okay? You know, two of the most catastrophic unity killers within the church is gossip and offense. And sometimes these two go hand in hand. You know, sometimes, you know, we gossip about somebody because we're mad at them. Well, then we get mad at somebody because they gossiped about us. And you see this fire all of a sudden hit the church, and it's like, oh, man. You hear about that church stabbing each other? In the, I mean, you, you get to where it turns into this ugly, uh, raging fire within the church. And if you've ever been through a new membership class under me, you will know that I hate gossip. If I hear you gossiping, I'm going to walk right up to you and say, what are you talking about? Oh, Yeah. You're going to get real uncomfortable real quick because I believe that we immediately have to extinguish that because the enemy will use that to destroy the unity of the church. So what do we, what do we need to do? Sometimes we just need to keep the integrity of the friendship. Some, if somebody shared something with us in confidence and in confidentiality, keep it confidential. Keep the confidence because you are going to destroy a friendship and a relationship. Proverbs 16, 28, it says, a perverse man or a dishonest man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friendships or a whisperer separates close friendships. Well, I got real close friendships. Start gossiping and see what happens to that friendship. It will destroy it. Super important. All offense and gossip will destroy church's unity. You know, when we look at uh, offense, man, we got to forgive. Why? Because Christ forgave us. Well, they deserve, man, slow down. That is not the right heart motive. It is not our role to repay evil for evil. We have to allow God's judgment to reign and rule. Our responsibility is to forgive and to respond as God asks us to forgive and how he asks us to respond. It's super important especially when you're angry or you're hurt. It can change everything. Let's look at Ephesians 2. We're going to look at the passages 12 through 22. Ephesians 2, 12 through 22. So it says, Remember that at a time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of, of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. 
and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came to preach uh, peace to you who were far away and peace, <clears throat> excuse me, to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, and this is when it gets really, really good. You are no longer for, foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, God's people collectively all together, you know, and members of God's household. And this is what it's built on, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So, you know, it's talking about here, you know, that there was a separation between the Jew and the Gentile and Christ came merging the two together. You know, you had this religious conflict, you know, that, you know, the people of God and then those ones who didn't meet the criteria. But then we begin to see that Christ died for all. So what he did, he, he separated to where it wasn't, you know, it was a cho chosen people, but now it's, it's everybody has access to the Father and he has joined everything together under one person, Jesus Christ. Through the blood of his covenant, it has allowed us to be united with each other. Okay, it's a blood covenant that draws us together as one body. You know, we're welcomed into this new covenant through Christ's death on the cross and we're able to keep the unity with one another through Christ. If Christ wasn't living inside of us, I do not think it would be possible to be united with each other. But because his spirit lives in me and his spirit lives in you, there is already a bond between me and you. We just have to work out the indifferences and figure out how to all get along. You ever had kids when they're fighting? Can't y'all just get along? Like you, you're like, I think God looks at us like that as the church sometimes. Can't y'all all just figure this out? Why are you so frustrated? Quit picking on her. You quit picking on him. Ah, you know, we could really see God as a father, like looking at the church, right? He sees just the little nitpicky things that he just shakes his head. He's like, man, when are you going to learn, right? You know, so scripture talks about that there's no longer a separation. God has connected it. If we look at, if we look at uh, Psalms 133, one through three, this talks about what happens when unity really happens. Psalms 133, one through three, it says, how good and pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity. Notice the word here, it says lives together. Living together is totally different than just showing up on a Sunday and then going home, right? This is closer proximity. This is continual fellowship with one another inside and outside the church walls. When we come in here, it should, it should just be a byproduct of what we're doing outside of the church. We're having people in our homes. We're, we're having fellowship outside of church. So when we come together, it's just like this huge party where it's like the huge family reunion, right? Where everybody is just apart. Man, what's going on? And you know, you tell, man, this is what's been going on with this guy. We've been doing this. And man, life is good. We're living life together, right? So it goes on to say, it says how precious, uh, it's like precious oil poured on the head. And don't get lost in some of this wordage because it's kind of weird, but it says that it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robes. It's like, it's as if the dew on, on, of Hermon were falling on the Mount Zion. Here's the focus point. It says, for there the Lord bestows or commands his blessing. So what is that talking about? It says, when we fight for the unity of the church to stay united God commands a blessing. Amen. 
So if he commands a blessing, that means there should be nothing that we are lacking. There should be nothing that we say, well, we don't have enough of. If God has bestowed and commanded his blessing on the church that is united with one another. And I think that's something we have to work out. I just don't think it immediately, we're just united. Okay, we're great. We have to work at it. Okay? You know, so how does the church, you know, uh, we as the church live in unity and stay united. So it's the spirit of God within us that gives us the opportunity to even live in unity. Like I said, if we don't have the spirit of God inside of us, it's really impossible. So we have to know that the spirit of God works in us and gives us the opportunity to live in unity. So first and foremost, we have, to be we have to really fight for our commitment to be united first and foremost to God, and then secondly, strive to be united with one another. You know, and it might be like, man, I love God, but I don't love people. And that's something we have to work through because what is God's greatest command? He says, a new commandment I give you, first and foremost, love God with all your heart, and then love your brothers as yourself. This is a command, Right? But for us to reap the benefits of commanded blessing, we have to be united with one another. We have to be in one accord. We have to be one in, one in mind. We're already one in spirit. Our flesh just has to catch up with that. You guys hear what I'm saying? It, the flesh is the issue. Well, I'm tired and I'm just edgy and I'm aggravated. I don't want to go to the coffee spot. Man, get your attitude right before we come to church, right? Say, Lord, give me grace for the sake of unity, Right? Because I know on Sunday mornings when your feet hit the bed, the devil's working overtime to mess up that unity. Because he does not want the commanded blessing within the church. Because a commanded blessing is, a, is, is, we would never lack. We would have whatever provision we have need of. That's an awesome place to be. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, it says, as a prisoner... For the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have, have received. So I really believe that this right here kind of gives us a, a, a really good look at what does it mean to be united. In verse 2 of chapter 4 in Ephesians, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Okay, it says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope where you were called. Verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so it talks about, you know, that, you know, keep the spirit of unity through what? The bond of peace. So how do we keep the unity between each other? By keeping the peace. Okay. Okay. So to keep peace, you have to work at it. It's not always something that's easy to do, right? You know, keeping the peace means that you, uh, you keep your, uh, your commitment or your devotions to one another, right? You know, as a priority over your own preferences sometimes. Have you guys ever seen where uh, you have two individuals that are arguing and, and this argument, you know, is, is going on and nobody wants to be wrong? How does that, how does that argument usually end up? In a war. You ever, I mean, married couples, sorry, right back to you. I'm not budging. I'm right, you're wrong. Well, I'm right, you're wrong. I as well just sit here and watch the tug of war, baby. I mean, it's, it's war. If nobody is willing to be wrong and everybody wants to be right, that's not always the best thing to keep the unity of the peace. 
Sometimes you have to figure out compromise, compromises. Right now, I'm not saying, you know, something that contradicts the word of God, but if it's something fighting over the temperature on a thermostat, real practical things. And I hear, man, listen, I got blankets in the back for if you're too cold. I just encourage you, but I don't want to be so hot that I'm one of those preachers that needs a sweat rag, <laughs> right? Because I try to get, I get excited every now and then. But a little thing like that. Well, it's too hot. Well, it's too cold. It's 100 degrees outside, but whatever. We'll let you determine yourself, right? The preaching's too long. The preacher's too short. Man, the worship's too long. The worship's too, too short. I don't like those songs. It's okay. We weren't singing those songs to you anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you thought it was about you. You came to the wrong church. But, that, but we come into the church thinking it's all about us. And because it's all about us, we break the unity. We can't live in unity when we're self-focused. It says serve one another, love one another, help one another. All of those things are selfless acts. But if we come to a church service expecting it to be all about us, we've missed the whole point. First and foremost, it's for God. And then secondly, it's for one another. That's how we protect the unity of peace. Man, that was pretty good. I might listen to my own recording on that one. <laughs> Sometimes it just comes out so elegantly, and I'm like, that really came out good. I'm listening. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Spirit of God working through me, right? Because no, he doesn't always talk that clear and precise. Keep on going. It. So a willingness, you know, to possibly not always be right. You know, we have to get to that place of where we give a little bit. You know, we were once separated from this fellowship with God. Why would we continually separate one another from this fellowship, right? What God has put together, let no man separate. That's something we say at wedding vows all the time. It should be the same practice in the church. What God is putting together, let no man separate. That we fight for unity. We fight to be united. You know, we have to also understand that uh, we didn't create God's family. It's something that we became a part of when we received salvation, we give ourselves all the credit. Oh, man, it's a good family because I'm in it. Man, it was a great family before any of us were able to be a part of it. We were just blessed when we came to the knowledge of Christ to be a part of a great family. So shrink your head down. It's not all about you, right? But God has allowed us to be a part of this family, and that is just an awesome blessing. You know, we try to force authentic unity and all of these things, you know, that we mandate it or we manufacture it, but we have to understand that it is the spirit that births unity, but it is up to us, Ephesians 4, 3, to preserve or to keep the unity. We can't do it apart from the spirit of God, but we can hold it all together. And we hold on to each other and we don't let go. I know some of you guys are too young. You might not know this game, but, and I've used this illustration before, but you know the game uh, Red Rover, Red Rover, let so-and-so come over, however you used to play it, right? You would grip hands, and you would hold on tight, and the person would run as fast as they could, and if they could break what was united, they would win, and then they would take one of your people, and they would take it to their side. And, you know, it's, it's this fight for, you know, who can stay connected, who can stay together, being united fights like that. You see the accuser coming and we brace ourselves and we hold on and we encourage the person to our right. We encourage the person to our left. Hold on, it's coming. We can do it. Don't let go. We got this. We got this. And if you hold on tight and both people hold on as tight as they can, the word of God says that we will never be broken. 
that game, you know, if you got a big enough dude coming at you, sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to let go. You're going to break my arm. <laughs> and you should play that game because those big guys, they find the littlest, the littlest link. It's like, you're going to kill that guy. But I believe that this unity that God has given us, it, can, it will not be broken if we each do our part. If I hold on to Trey, I say, Trey, hold on, man. It's going to be a rough one. No, you think we're going to make it? Lord, I hope so. Man, God's fighting for us, right? Yeah, it's by his strength. All right. All right, brother, I'm going to do my part. You got your part. I'm holding down the fort. When, you hit, when they hit that, that link, the whole line sways. Everybody feels the brunt of it because we are all connected in unity. So it's like that ultimate Red Rover team that is never has a weak link and will never be broken by the grace of God, holding every link and ligament together, united. All of you say, man, I want to play that game if you've never played it. Romans 12, 18, it says, if it is possible, as far as it is possible, and it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Yes, it says everyone. I'm sorry, guys. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Okay, so peace is, is what is caused by staying united and connected to one another. You know, we have to be very intentional and determined to live at peace with everyone. You know, it's very easy, people who we've had previous conflict with, if we're not required to be around them, we just sweep it under the rug because we don't have to be in relationship with them. We just leave it and we let it lie, and, but we don't deal with it. That's a dangerous thing because that is a dangerous habit because as what happens, if you don't really reconcile and you don't forgive and you just change that proximity, you never really deal with the heart issue of being offended or being hurt. You're just like, well, I don't have to see them, so I don't care. What do you mean you don't care? I don't care. You know, you just, you begin to see the ugliness and the bitterness. And if you really search your heart, there has been great offense still taken against people. But it says, live at peace with everyone. Man, what are you talking about? Even my enemies? That's what Jesus said. Well, that doesn't sound really fun, but God will give you grace to do it. It's a choice, though. Do we choose to do it or not? I didn't say it was going to be easy. If it was super easy, every church in the United States would be united with an abundance of provision because of commanded blessing. But very few churches want to exert enough energy to fight and support what it requires to be truly united and to, and to fight for true unity. But I hope that you would fight and that you would rage war with me because my heart is to fight for unity for one another. We're gonna close looking at this scripture, Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And then in verse five, it says, your attitude should be the same as that as of Christ Jesus. So if we just break that down, the first and foremost thing is what? That we are united 
with Christ. And then there's a part in there where it says, and if you have any fellowship with the Spirit, there's another translation that doesn't use the word fellowship, but it says participation with the Holy Spirit. So right, I'm united with Christ, I'm participating with the Holy Spirit, and then if we go down to that verse two and it says, and be one in spirit and purpose. And that is what I wanna leave you with this morning, the purpose of what are you created for? What is the church to look like? Have we perceived the church completely wrong? You know, because I tell you, there's a lot of us, and I've done it before, where I struggle, you know, coming into the church where I am looking for God to help me, myself, and I. I'm not coming to the church to just bless others. I'm not coming to say, Lord, man, may we glorify you corporately together. May we encourage one another. I'm not maybe looking for opportunities to serve everyone. But I believe that that is the ultimate plan of the enemy to kill that spirit of unity and purpose if he can continually to cause me to focus to only see myself rather than all the people around me that I have an opportunity to love and encourage to become all that God has called them to be. So we gotta be reminded that the spirit is the same one inside of me that lives inside of you. Our purpose needs to be our reason for existence, right? Why do I come to church? What is the church for? What's the point of the church? If we answer that question, it changes our motive or our expectation, right? If we know what the reasoning and the purpose of why the church exists, it changes everything. You know, I believe that God is going to reveal to each of you the importance of fellowship, you know, and that when we serve one another with sincere hearts, God begins to reveal his specific purpose for each and every one of us. Man, I was reading this book, and, they, and, and he made a statement. He says, I believe that nine out of ten people do not know their God-given purpose. To me, that shook me to my core because that would mean, man, I don't know, like this five rows right here know what's going on. Everybody else is confused <laughs> with their, perp, their God-given purpose. based on Now, I mean, that's not a factual statistic, but this was a pretty known pastor of a huge church that has talked with a lot of people. And we have identity crises. We don't know what our purpose is. But I believe that we, when we begin to serve one another and we begin to be united in the body of Christ, all of a sudden, either others see it and speak it over us, or we come into a reality of understanding what we were created for. And that's what it's all about. Because I would love to change that ratio to where one out of 10 don't know what they're doing or what they're called to, where our church thrives because we all know what we're called to do, what we're called to be, and we are all functioning in our God-given abilities. That's my heart. You're like, well, that's kind of nuts, but I can believe God for it, that he'd begin to release that, that he'd begin to show each and every one of you. So I'd encourage you today to fight for true fellowship, you know, so we have to be devoted to one another. Devotion is a big deal. And then we have to be united in spirit and purpose. You got to say those two words, spirit and purpose. They both have to mesh together if we're going to walk in unity, if we're going to be united. The spirit is already the same within us. Now we all got to get aligned with our purpose. And Becky and I hope to do a great job as far as communicating to that. But what that looks like is all of us getting together, huddled together and saying, hey man, what does God build you for? Hey man, do it. Hey, what are you doing? Man, that's awesome. Let's go. And we're all serving together. So please pursue an attitude of unity 
by being united with one another. How we can fight for the unity of the church. Anytime we see selfish motive, we immediately check that and say, oh, Lord, it's not about me. God, who can I bless today? Oh, Lord, Lord, it's not about me. You know, man, am I, are we all worshiping you in spirit and truth today? Because we will have the tendency to be selfish often. And we immediately have to stop and kind of shrink, push that down, cast it out in order in a pursuit to fight for unity, okay? To be united with one another. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.